15-2. Yes. Um, basically, Jesus is encounter, another encounter with the uh, Pharisees that came up from Jerusalem. Uh, so it's getting serious. The heavy hitters are sending heavy hitters. It's no longer just reports from Galilee, from the rabbis up in Galilee that are sending reports back to Jerusalem saying, you know what this guy's doing? Well, I guess enough reports came that uh, they said, well, okay, let's go see what this guy is doing. And as soon as they get there, there's a confrontation, and it has to do with... Uh, so first thing they do is they attack as Jesus' disciples. And it says... The Son of God is in front of them. Doing, they're, they're seeing miracles. They know these things are happening. And here's what they ask. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders so they do not wash their hands when they eat bread? You have the Son of God in front of you and the creator of heavens and earth, uh, the one who holds everything in his hand. And that's the question you're asking. Like, why don't you stop three seconds at a stop sign? I, I, I don't even get... Wow. And, and these are the religious leaders. These are the leaders of the people. Oh, my. This tradition of washing hands, I, I've discussed it a, a while back. It is really complex. Uh, it was rabbinic, not mosaic. This isn't from Moses. This Okay, they made it up is, is the best way to put it. Uh, and was elaborate washing ritual involving not only one's hands but also cups, pitchers, kettles. It, it was. It got to the point where just trying to eat something, I probably would weigh like 80 pounds or less if I had to follow that. Um, by questioning what Jesus' disciples did, if you will notice, they didn't question him. They said, "Why do your disciples do this?" Not Jesus himself. They're questioning his teaching. They're going after his teaching. It implies thoughtful intent on Jesus' part. Uh, like, I told them not to do that, you know. Mm. Not just a one-time occurrence that occurred out of forgetfulness or ignorance, but it apparently they were ignoring it. all those rabbinic laws completely and totally in front of everyone. And the reports have came back all the way to Jerusalem. Instead of he was healing, uh, you know, casting out demons, people could see, people, people are being raised from the dead, the lame could walk. What they're sending back is he's not washing his hands. So that's us. Uh, you know, there's nothing different between them and us. Um, uh, this was not a matter of hygiene. They were addressing a simple washing hands to remove dirt. And it was not they were talking about that with this issue. The rabbinical law had become a bit of a spiritual, what I'll call OCD playground. This obsessive compulsive playground that it, if you were obsessive compulsive, you wanted in on this one, man, because this was your you were like woohoo in your element, uh, so vast that even the scholars could not know it all. Remember, I told you about the scribes. The scribes existed because the rabbinical law was so complex. They needed people whose job it was to know what it was. You know, your entire job in your life is to know what we made up and know where it's at and be able to answer the questions because even the Pharisees couldn't answer a lot of them. The entire section of the Mishnah is devoted to hand washing. Uh, water must, and this is just, uh, just the tip of the iceberg, water must be poured over the hands up to the wrist. A different opinion prescribes only parts of the fingers. So there were these different camps. 
uh, scriptural justification for the practice was somehow uh, weakly linked to Leviticus 15.13. I'll read that. Uh, defilement could be removed only by running water, hence the pouring of wine had to be poured. Uh, but Jesus' followers did no such thing, and the Pharisees asked the reason for their practice. Leviticus 15.13, which is what brought all this they claim to stand on this, but you once you hear it, you'll see it's not even close. Now, when a man ha with a discharge becomes cleansed from his discharge, then he shall count off uh, for himself seven days for his cleansing. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water and will become clean. That's where they got the running water. This has nothing to do with eating. These conditions that they're talking about in 1513 fall into two groups. Two of the discharges are results of some kind of disease, which would be a discharge from like a, a sore from uh, leprosy. You know, if, if, you, if you touch somebody that had that, then this is what you do. The other two are natural, the results of normal bodily function. Uh, there are four types of discharge noticed in chapter 15 of Leviticus. A running discharge from a man is usually a discharge such as from leprosy. Two, an emission from semen, whether involuntary, I don't know how that happens, Leviticus 15, 16, 17, or occurring during sexual intercourse. The monthly period of a woman, an issue of blood of a woman unrelated to menstruation. So the first two, the menstruation has its own little uh, thing. And then there's like the woman who bled all the time, they come up and touch Jesus. That would be considered under, uh, that's not natural, that's a sickness, just like leprosy. Okay, so that's what all that's about. And they started from there, and they sort of used that as their reference, but it has, what's that have to do with washing your hands? You know, nothing. Mm. Um, verse 3, and he answered them and said, this is Jesus talking again, we're back on, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? He doesn't answer them. Uh, he turns to them and says, uh, <laughs> you are countering with everything you do. This is a broad accusation. Your traditions counter the commandments of God. You've gotten to the point where you're not just saying things, you're doing wrong things. It's not just neutral. Uh, we'll use that... Uh, phrase that Kevin had just brought up to me that yeah what you're doing what I'm doing isn't fatal to anything what you're doing is in other words it's so wrong that it brings you almost into heresy uh, it is believed that this was the nexus of the rabbinical hand washing rules they had become detached from the original four reasons uh, so anyway Jesus answers their accusation accusatory question with the, about the rabbinical law with an accusatory question from the law of Moses he trumps them they throw down a king he throws down an ace uh, Joseph, Jesus notes a conflict between their tradition he doesn't call it law you know they do he doesn't and a, you know your tradition and a commandment from God and of course remember this is being done in front of people this isn't like they went into a corner and discussed this. Then Jesus backs it up. For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of his father or mother is to be put to death. Jesus opens with, God said, for which they had no argument. When you start 
a religious argument with a Pharisee and you start with God said, they got to listen. They usually open with our law says, Jesus opens with God said. Exodus, and here's what he's quoting, Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Exodus 12, 21, 17, he who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. Leviticus 29, if there's anyone who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father and mother, his blood guiltiness is upon him. In other words, he get what he asked for. Uh, cursed is uh, Deuteronomy. Cursed is he who dishonors his father and mother. For all the people shall say amen. And then Isaiah, which gets out of the law and into the prophets. For the Lord said, because this people draw near to me with their words and honor me with their lip service. But they have removed their hearts far from me. Their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. So apparently what was happening, what Jesus was facing was the exact same thing that was happening in Isaiah's day. And this was this is God speaking, and God's making the same argument through Isaiah that Jesus is making. Their reverence for me, their spirituality, consists of traditions learned by rote. In other words, they memorized a whole bunch of traditions and they think they're being spiritual. God says, therefore, I will once again do marvel." <laughs> I love this wording, deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of the discerning men will be concealed. He says, I'm going to do something amazing. It sounds like they're like they're going to win the lottery. And he says, no, I'm going to step in and deal with all these people. I'm going to take care of this. So that's basically what's happening here. Verse 5 says, but you say, Jesus is now talking to the Pharisees again, Whoever says to his father and mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. <laughs> uh, apparently, this has been something that's been on Jesus' heart and mind uh, before he even came here. Something he noticed in heaven would be my guess. And he's been waiting for the moment to bring this out, and this is it. Uh, they're teaching that, you know, you've heard me say many a time that, you know, what God wants us to do with our money first Take care of your family, which is first. God expects it. You know, you know. take care of your family in the church, and it keeps working its way out. Well, what they had been telling is you could skip the first one. And, gee, I just read the laws to you that says you can't do that. So, Jesus, so basically they've been telling people, give the money to the temple. Uh, you don't have to take care of your parents. Uh, so Jesus said, I guess I've been sitting on this one for a while, just waiting for the moment, and this is the moment. Apparently, it was okay to proclaim that money should have been used to help their elderly parents. Remember, there's no pensions, no Social Security, no 401ks. All you have is your children. Was being labeled as a gift devoted to God. Uh, now, the temple did, at times, help the poor. So I guess what they're saying is, if you give it to us, we could send it to them. Well, you give it to them. You're right there. They, you know, they need it. This way, they could keep it in their own house instead of giving it to their parents. A loophole uh, provided by tradition. Jesus doesn't believe in loopholes. So basically, they came up with a little loophole. We'll take care of this uh, to get their money. And 
brothers and sisters, it's always about one of two things almost every time. Well, it's always about pride and power, but it's always about money, which is pride and power, and about sexuality. It's all, you know, anybody that falls in Christian leadership or in spiritual leadership, it's usually one of those two things. Verse 6, Jesus said, he is not to honor his father, is he... It, he is not to honor his father and mother, and by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. This is a, a big accusation, uh, and you know, of all the things they accused him of doing, he started by accusing them, and he says, for the, and once again, he uses the word of God, the law, and tradition. He, he puts them in, because remember, they ask him, why don't you follow our traditions? Because he's telling them, because your traditions don't mean anything. Uh, they came to put Jesus in his place and Jesus responds with a you say versus God says argument this is what you say, this is what God says which do you think is right and this is in front of people he never addressed their hand washing accusation he never said a word about it he ignored it totally he basically tells them your question is dumb and so are you and he says it publicly and about spiritual matters and that is their job jesus then proclaims that their traditions invalidate the word of god in doing so he addresses any question they could ask him about his teachings on their traditions this is like a uh, a thrust to the heart of what they came up to do there they came a long way to drag him through the mud with their traditions and he just they, they can't do it anymore there, it means they're not uh, the law of God, which he himself gave and that he himself fulfills. You can't trick Jesus on the law of God. He wrote it. I mean, it's his. It came from him. Then he says the words, you hypocrites. <laughs> uh, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy, prophesy of, of you. <laughs> In front of others, Jesus tears them a new one, basically. Uh, man, this... Calling these boys hypocrites in front of everybody. Just try to grab this. I mean, the term hypocrites is used a lot in the New Testament, mostly in Matthew. In Matthew, it's a theme. Uh, obviously, it has to, to be activated uh, to avoid in the kingdom. I mean, it's not something we should try to do. It's, it's, something, it's a standard we should always try to uh, avoid. We don't want to be called hypocrites. We don't want to be hypocrites. That, that's a given. If you speak the truth and live the truth about yourself, you have no issues. The only time you're a hypocrite is when you say you're one thing and you're not. People who refuse to humble themselves must eventually turn to hypocrisy. You don't have a choice. Uh, the core truth is that it's a lie we present to others about ourselves and we often do this because of pride. And it could come to the point where we actually start to believe the lie we're telling about ourselves. Now, hypocrite in Webster's. The word hypocrite uh, ultimately came into the English from the Greek from the, well, the word that sounds like Hippocrates, which means an actor or a stage player. In other words, someone who's not presenting themselves. The Greek word itself is a compound noun. It's made up from two Greek words that literally translate into an interpreter from underneath. That bizarre compound makes more sense when you know that the actor in ancient Greek theater wore large masks uh, to mark which character they were playing. So the interpreter of the story from they interpreted the story from underneath their mask. So that's where we get the word. 
Uh, hypocrite in Greek means an actor under an assumed character. Uh, hypocrites is found 16 times in the New Testament, 13 of those in Matthew, always, and it is always spoken by Jesus. Hypocrite, the singular, is found twice in the New American Standard, once in Matthew, once in Luke. There's a lot of connection between Matthew and Luke, if you've been following along. Hypocrisy, which is not directed at a person, but a teaching uh, or a belief, is found nine times in the New American Standard, uh, from Matthew 23 to 1 Peter 2. So it is a theme, it's a big theme, and it's a theme of Jesus, and it almost always is directed at the Pharisees. And so, if you, now we're back to Jesus. He says, Isaiah spoke wisely of you, and he says, this is what Isaiah said. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. People who preach the truth but have no intention of living it. They use scripture for their own pride, not to be humbled. They use it for their gain. Uh, that's Isaiah 29, 13 through 16. Then the Lord said, because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lips. And by the way, don't think of this as Isaiah speaking to just the people in his time. This is Isaiah speaking to the Lord, speaking through Isaiah to the people in his time, the people in Jesus' time, and the people right now. But they remove their hearts from, from, far from me, and the reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rote, which is what we just read. Therefore, that he will do marvelously. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord, and whose deeds are done in dark places. And they say, who sees us or who knows us? You shall, you turn things around. Shall the potter be uh, considered as equal to the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me, or that his form say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. That's the continuation of this. And Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees. He's saying this is what they're doing. They all knew the scripture, which Jesus had publicly tied to them. Jesus didn't have to quote the whole thing to them. He gave them the first line. They knew the rest. Uh, verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. This behavior continued after Christ arose. It crept into the Christian church and was addressed by Paul in his letter to the Colossians. Colossians 2, 18 through 23. Let not one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. These are the people, he's comparing, this is what the Pharisees were doing, by the way. And now it's crept into the church. And not holding fast to the head from which the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. For if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of this world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you decree, do do you submit yourself such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Which is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. So now they were doing it in the Christian church. Which all refers to things destined to perish with use. It's, it's all things that are temporal. In accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men. See, they're trying to bring the, a lot of the Jewish traditions into the Christian church. And Paul would have nothing to do with it. Paul, it's one thing that, well, 
it got Jesus angry with the Pharisees, and it got Paul angry with the people that brought these teachings in. He really had a problem with it. Uh, you know, it shows up again and again. Uh, they were trying to make the Jews be, uh, get circumcised. I mean, non-Jews get circumcised. They were trying to make them follow the hand washing thing. The, the meat offered to idols question came. So all this. Whenever people found freedom to love the Lord and to walk with the Lord, there was always someone saying, "Yeah, but you should do this." You know, it was just always there. There's the matters of which, to be sure, have I love this phrase. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement. In other words, denying yourself something and severe treatment of the body. I mean, there's the people that were whipping themselves on their backs, you know, to please God, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. They, they don't do anything as far as making you more holy. They don't help you with sin. Uh, it's, it's a waste. There's really a neat word that uh, describes the Pharisees, and I'll bring it up here just so I can get it in first. Pedophogging. Yell me a cookie, Kev. Uh, giving too much attention to a small, unimportant details in a way that shows a limited mind. That's a great word. After uh, back to ten. After Jesus called the crowd to him, okay, he just did away. The Pharisees came all the way up to pretty much put them in a corner and straighten them out. In a couple sentences, they're humiliated. They have nothing to say. I'm sure they're not happy. Uh, for all we know, the, the Jerusalem Pharisees are heading back to Jerusalem, very unhappy, and they're about to report some very harsh things. Well, Jesus just made fun of them. And so after that, Jesus is done with them. Jesus turns to the crowd, and remember, the crowd's there. This proves it to you. The crowd's right there. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand. After putting the Pharisees in their place, Jesus ignores them and turns to the crowd. And I don't know if the Pharisees are still listening, I'm assuming, but he doesn't care. You know, He continues uh, to berate them to the crowd. Uh, then he says to, to the crowd, he's no longer talking to the Pharisees, It's not what enters the mouth that defies a man. Remember, it was about how they weren't washing their hands, so what they're eating was unclean. But what proceeds out of the mouth, this is what defiles the man. Jesus then tells the crowd that the Pharisees have been telling you what they've been saying to you and what they've been teaching is wrong. Their rules and laws have no bearing on righteousness before God. What they demand of you means nothing to God. He is specifically addressing their ceremonial hand-washing before one eats. I mean, he's using that to make a bigger picture. But they brought it up, so he's running with it. Jesus taught that it's what's in the heart that comes out of the mouth. And man, this is a big one. Every one of us, I really include myself in this major league, uh, it's, it is the exact mirror of your soul, your words that come out. No matter how hard you try, you will eventually, what is in your heart will come out of your mouth. You will try very hard not to say it, and you'll, you may not say it in front of everybody, but you will say it, not so much that anybody else can hear, but so that you hear it, so that you know what's in your heart. And the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? 
So Jesus berates the Pharisees, then he berates them in front of the crowd, and then the disciples go, hey, I think you made them mad. And like Jesus is like, really? Uh, Jesus, <laughs> are you aware of the impact of your words on the Pharisees? Uh, <laughs> you poke the bear. Uh, basically they're saying, Jesus, maybe you should lighten up a bit. Maybe you could talk to them a little more respectfully or something. Uh, obviously, uh, it's time to be the serpent. You know, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Uh, Jesus has no problem being the serpent when it comes to the Pharisees. Uh, not sure if they simply recognized the obvious or if the Pharisees had come to them and said, hey, your teacher just insulted us. I don't know how it got there, but that, that little sentence right there is pretty neat. I would love to see how that played out. I think they're worried that the Pharisees, obviously they could see the Pharisees are mad that he insulted them and then talked to the crowd and insulted them again. And they come and say, dude, maybe you should lighten up a little bit. But, verse 13, but he answered them and said, every plant which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. He basically saying, my, God has nothing to do with those guys. And I'm about to uh, pull out some, something that's claiming to be a planting of God is not, and I'm pulling it out of the ground. Jesus declares his contempt for the Pharisees. He tells them that God did not ordain the position of Pharisees. Uh, look through your scripture and try to find a position of Pharisee. It's not there. It's man-made position. They assume a spiritual authority that God did not give them or that God did not mandate. And they were very wrong about some very important issues. God didn't plant them. Jesus is saying, so I'm uprooting them. Of course, they are offended. I meant to offend them. This is what Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Oh, really? Well, yeah, then it worked. Uh, 14. He says, Let them alone. I don't know what other translations say. They are the blind guides of the blind, and if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Same as you. Okay, well, you have the same translation yeah. as me. Um, if somebody has something different, but that let them alone thing is pretty interesting they came and sort of like interceded for them uh to jesus like hey maybe you should and he says don't even listen to them which tends to make me think they came to the disciples and said hey you're you're he's insulting us and jesus saying just stop don't even go near them don't do anything keep away from them pay them no heed don't get caught up in their mess Jesus indicates that his disciples are not blind and should not have a guide that is. That's basically what he's telling them. They are the blind ones. You don't need their blind guide. If you follow them, you will fall into a pit. Mm -hmm. uh, other translations read, leave them alone, disregard them, and ignore them. Jesus does not tell them to confront and attack them as he does. That's really important. You know, Jesus is, well, so was John. <laughs> John and Jesus uh, came out swinging with the Pharisees, and he's basically telling his 12, just let it be. Don't, don't get involved in it. Uh, the time will come when you will have to stand in front of them. You know, that's coming. But right now, just let it be me. You know, I, got, I got this. This is mine. Even when Paul, a Pharisee himself, is before them, you remember he respectfully answered them uh, and speaks the truth respectfully. He does not... Paul doesn't attack them like John did 
and Jesus did. But he spoke the truth. He spoke the truth to power. You know, I guess that's the phrase that everybody uses. And uh, goes all the way back to this. Just leave them alone. Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Uh, the parable part of the teaching is the plants being uprooted. It seems, I mean, the blind leading the blind is not, I don't think, what he's questioning. It pretty, seems pretty clear to us. Uh, not sure what Peter didn't understand. Like, exactly what are you saying, Jesus, uh, about the plant being uprooted, uh, that I'm uprooting the plant that God didn't plant. In the next verses, Jesus seems to agree with this sediment. Verse 16, Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? In other words, Jesus is saying, you didn't get that? Like, why? What, what part is confusing you here? Peter would have grown up with the teaching of the Pharisees. It would have been hard to just let go of things you were taught since you were a child. And I don't mean to belittle anything, but I run into this a lot with people who were Catholic and now are not. Uh, or now uh, what you would call quote-unquote evangelical, uh, have a hard time of letting go things that were Catholic teaching that were not, that you would find in Scripture. They didn't bother me, but they were the sort of thing that um, it was just hard to really understand where it came from. And they had a hard time letting go of it. And I'm sure that every one of these disciples had the same thing. Because what Jesus is saying is like totally contrary to everything they have been taught since they were children. Uh, especially from people who you were told were the religious authorities. Mm -hmm. We were taught this and those were the guys that taught it. And now you're telling us they're all wrong. They need to be uprooted. In other words, you can't just let it continue. to. I'm not going to let it continue to grow. I'm going to pull it out and call it what it is. Do you not, 17, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? He takes them all the way back to talking about the, uh, the washing of hands. So he's explaining to them why they don't wash their hands. Food becomes what it becomes. We expel it. And that's all you need to know about food, Jesus is basically saying. Jesus is saying, God really doesn't care about what you eat with unwashed hands. He doesn't put a star in your chart every time you wash your hands the right way. A bell doesn't go off. You know, an angel doesn't get its wings. A bell doesn't go off. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. Your words, all of them, paint an accurate picture of your heart. No matter how hard you try to hide the ugly or the lies that have taken root there, they will show themselves with your words. What you say, how you say it, why you say it, and who you say it to all matter. This is why we all answer for our words because our words reflect our hearts. So when he says you answer for your words, is what he's saying is you answer for your heart. Matthew 12, 34 through 37, you brood of vipers. <laughs> How can you, being evil, he calls them evil, I think that's talking about the Pharisees, speak what is good, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out his good treasures, what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasures, what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, 
they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. Words they shouldn't have spoke. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Uh-oh. Well, the reason is, is because your words are a reflection of your heart. You're, you're just proclaiming what your heart is to everybody. You know, God already, God knows your heart. The Why this matters is because you could see it. You'll hear it. You'll know what your heart is and you get a chance to repent from it. Psalms 141.3 Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What David is saying is protect me from me. Protect me from my own desire to say things I shouldn't say. James 1.26 If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. James 3, 1 through 12. Let not, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as much will incur a stricter judgment. Now, this is the truth. When we stand up there and preach, or when I sit here and teach, I'm not allowed, or I'm not supposed to, and I will be judged on what I preach and say. I am not there to show anybody how smart I am. I'm not there to show anybody what I know. I'm not there to raise questions I can't answer. I am there to help. That is my entire job. Feed the sheep. That's what I do. Now, it gets very tempting to do things other than that. Uh, but that is the judgment that I will face. And then he said, for we all stumble in many ways. Thank you, James. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Wow. That's accurate because Jesus said, what you say is what your heart is. So if it doesn't, what he's saying is your heart's right. Always connect words with heart. Jesus did, you should too. Uh, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Everything he does is proven by he doesn't screw up with his words, sin with his words. Now, if we put a bit into a horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and driven by a strong wood, they still directed by a very small rudder whenever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also is the tongue a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. Well, it's because your heart is a fire. And the very world, the very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body because the heart proves it. And it sets on fire the course of our life and is, and is set on fire by hell. Wow. For every species of bird, beast, reptile, and creatures of the sea is tamed that has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. Because you can't. Because what's in there will come out. It, I, I, you know, I'm sure you guys are smart and you're getting it. Uh, your words really do matter. Mostly to you. When I hear other people say things that I know are wrong... It doesn't really bother me. I go, oh, you know, 
okay, they said something wrong. When I hear me say something that I shouldn't have said that proves what my heart is, it really bothers me. I mean, it, it's it's just like God just you know pointed his finger at me and said, dude. Uh, with it, uh, oh, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. But is that not us? Uh, do, do we not pray very hard for people and then at times find ourselves hating someone uh, and catching ourselves hating them? My brethren, these things ought not be this way. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. Does, does a fountain send uh, from the same opening both fresh and better water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt produce fresh water. Um, I'll just read 19. We're not going to go into it. For out of the heart, here it goes again, back to the heart, comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and slanders. All those things come from your heart, and then you speak them. And speaking them proves it before you do it. That Think of it as a heads up to what you're capable of doing. Uh, when that nasty comes out in your words, uh, thank God for showing it to you. You know, and we, we live in this uh, community of believers where sooner or later you're going to hear me do it and I'm going to hear you do it. I'm going to get a glimpse of your heart because we know each other. It's what fellowship does. Um, I'm going to see it in you, you're going to see it in me, and we're going to help each other. Uh, we're going to get to the point where um, we are actually... Um, I always like the phrase that was, you know, I'm not okay, you're not okay, God says that's okay. Uh, we came to the realization that, you know, we've still got a way to go. There's still things in me. Paul himself wrote to the Romans, why do I do the very thing that I confess to hate? Uh, the goal is that those things become less and less as you get older and older. As time passes, there are less of them. There are less words coming out of your mouth that are proving your heart. They've become softer. They've become more, uh, and you recognize it faster. And you don't judge the guy next to you when, it, when he does it. You try to help him. Um, we are going to see each other fail. And you're going to see the ugly in me, and I'm going to see the ugly in you. And, uh, but that's all part of the game. You know, and then we help each other, we pray for each other. And so that when the world sees us, they'll see Jesus Christ instead of what's the bad part that's in my heart that's still there. Um, I, I can see it coming. You know, I used to say things that I didn't even consider or think about after I said them. Now I do. I don't mean I don't say them all the time, but, uh, you know, it, it comes to me and speaks speaks to my own words speak to me i hear them and i go hmm that's me and i need that needs that needs to be dealt with and it's my responsibility to deal with it you know uh, this is mine to do and god is helping me you know he's leading me through sanctification as he says he would and how's he doing it through his word which is what jesus said to god sanctify them with what truth 
Truth is what sanctifies you, and your words show you the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. So his word should confront my words, and they should bring out the truth, and I should be sanctified. And so should you. Uh, we'll leave it there. What's that, 19? Well, 20 is the last spot for that little area. Well, I'm, I'm going home. You could... Okay. You know. I just meant... I know. The last one. Okay, yeah. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, any questions, comment, criticisms? Man, we're ripping through this. Look at this. We're just doing verses. Anything anybody wants to bring up or anything? Alrighty. Well, let's pray. Father, first off, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Who, and we thank you for fellowship. Those three things working together to conform us to your image. Uh, we're thankful for that, Lord. And we sit here and we admit, there's things wrong with us, Lord, that still need to be dealt with. And we're glad you're dealing with it. We, we repent. Uh, we ask for your forgiveness and we ask for your help. And Lord, I'm just so thankful that these lessons from your word apply through the ages, they are just truth that doesn't fade and it doesn't fail. And Lord, we just ask that, as always, you help us to apply your word to our lives, not to other people. And I just ask that you watch over my brothers and sisters. You make them strong, wise, brave, and compassionate. And you help them to glorify your name in what they think, what they do, and what they say. Amen.